gain ground with, with, with faith. And you, t- you take ground with faith. And so we're going to move forward Amen. tonight. We're not interested in going back. Not interested in going backwards or just even being in, in neutral. If you're in neutral, well, that's better than being reverse because at least we can push you. <laughs> but, uh, however, our, our goal is to move forward and uh, not looking back, not dwelling on the past. You know, the, if, as long as we're moving forward, how many know the past gets smaller and smaller in our rearview mirror? <laughs> Keep moving forward. After a while, you can't even remember it. I, you know, you're looking up in the mirror. I, I can't even see that anymore far as I can see back I, I just see victory I just see good things come on now and uh, <laughs> we're moving come on now we moving forward anybody got your heels dug in tonight <laughs> uh, gotta watch out to what you're agreeing to <laughs> amen <laughs> <laughs> I know a I know a minister that he was teaching in Bible school one day and he taught a whole class maybe two something like that but I think maybe just one like for an hour taught a class and taught all this stuff and everyone's taking notes and getting into it yeah yeah this is good then he then he started his started the next class or ended that class and said basically everything I taught you for the last hour is wrong and he was serious he intentionally gave them bad doctrine to teach them how to discern. <laughs> now, that's not a rebuke to everyone who just said amen to digging your heels in. <laughs> it just illustrates a point. Let's <laughs> got to know what we're getting involved with. Amen. And uh, so we don't want to dig our heels in and stiffen up, tighten up, you know, in the kingdom of God, uh, you know, ha- being a critical thinker is never... A, it's never something I see that we should attain to, that we should all desire. I just want to, and usually that's manifest in unbelief. At the same time, we don't want to be gullible, right? You know, we do want to analyze and prove all things, hold fast to that, which is good. But our heart should be, we should always lean towards uh, yieldedness. Obviously, again, you got to yield to the right thing and resist the right thing, but uh, but to the Lord... You know, soft heart, movable, pliable, bendable, flexible, right? And uh, and then God can take us from where we're at to where we're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. How many know that whatever's lacking in our lives is not a result of God holding something back? We should understand that. If there's ever anything missing, if there's ever if there's ever direction missing, if there's ever uh, you know, answers that we don't have. It's not because God's keeping all the good stuff secret from you. We need to know that that's His heart. You know, if there's something that we, we feel like, man, I sure need this. It's not because God's holding it back. Amen. We need, to, we, need to, we need to view Him. He is a God of mercy and grace, and, and He is endeavoring to get through to us. Yeah. So well, why? I mean, he's God. Can't he just show up in my house and say, "Hi, I'm God"? <laughs> well, uh, he he doesn't want to do it that way. He really doesn't. I mean, in reality, couldn't he? You know, you know, couldn't he stick his face in the sky to the whole world? 
<laughs> Say, hi. <laughs> you know, couldn't he uh, do something in such a dramatic way? Well, obviously that's not his mode of operation. You know, but he wants to get through to us on his terms. In other words, we live by faith. We listen to the Spirit of God inside of us, you know, spirit-to-spirit communication. There are some things that he prefers, some ways that he designed that we would relate to him and hear from him. And he's going to keep going that way. Amen. Praise God. The Lord is good. So let's just stir up a little atmosphere of praise tonight. Stand up with me. We're going to have some victories. Man, I tell you what, we're going to have some some spiritual aggression on the part uh, on the part of the body of Christ. And uh, the enemy doesn't know what he's gotten into. Man, he'd been messing with some of God's kids and he thought he thought we were ignorant and weak and uh didn't have a clue but guess what we do and watch out as God breaks through into your life tonight watch as things take a new course in a new direction <laughs> watch as things once difficult become easy amen watch where there was darkness there come light <laughs> and with light comes vision comes understanding comes an ability to move forward. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Just lift your hands. Let your voice. Lord. Oh, God is good. He's here in the house. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, let's look for a moment tonight at Exodus chapter 12. The Lord has dealt with me. A, on a few different occasions over the last number of weeks. And it's come out in various services and various uh, teachings, even though sometimes they're unrelated. Uh, God has a tendency of getting certain things through, even through seemingly unrelated subjects. One of those things that the that has been stirred in my heart is something that I don't talk about a lot and really intentionally so and that's because I don't ever want to give the devil too much face time I believe we should talk about the Lord a lot more than we talk about the devil you know person said one time if you do more warfare than worship you're warped you know, our walk with God is about our worship. It's about our intimacy and relationship with Him, not just about, you know, the devil and his activities. You might recall when, the, and that, not to dismiss any of that. Remember, the disciples were all jacked up and thrilled one day. That didn't sound right. Uh, they were all excited and thrilled one day when uh, they had been casting demons out of people and they came back to the Lord you know, talking about it, how they're subject to them in his name. And he, he told them to rejoice that their names were written in the book of life, Amen. right? Their names were written in heaven. And, uh, and not just to be rejoicing over the fact that you can cast some demons out, all right? Um, and so it's been intentional 
and as just by matter of philosophy, you know, coming from the Bible, that we should focus on the Lord and magnify Him. We don't use uh, demons or demonic activity as an excuse for personal neglect. We don't use what the enemy does um, to be a an excuse, you know, the old, the devil made me do it type of thing. At the same time, we are aware, and we should be aware of his devices. And this is the thing that I'm talking about that has come up on a few different occasions in recent times, and that is that we should be aware of his strategies and tactics against us. There is genuinely a threat to any person who's on the earth from the devil. When I say a threat, if we don't know about it and know how to respond to it, if we don't recognize his schemes and devices, then we could fall subject to what he wants to do. Everybody with me tonight? And so it is a biblical and proper discussion, not only to know that we've been delivered, but to know what we've been delivered from. It's not only to know that I'm in the family of God, it's good to know that I'm in the family of God, but I'm not under the control and I'm not subject to the devil. Right. All right? And I need to know what he's not allowed to do. You see, see Peter talked about how the, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Other, but the next verse says, you know, whom resists steadfast in the faith. But, uh, see, he's looking, he's looking across the earth, looking for people he can devour. He's like a hungry dog, you know, looking for something to eat. And let's not that, let, let that be us. All right. Is, 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 is he after people in the body of Christ? He is. He wants to slow down. He wants to slow you down. He wants to tangle you up. See, you never can even focus on, on doing something great to help somebody else. You're just all constantly battling, constantly in a struggle. And, and that's not the will of God. It's really not. We have been delivered. But there are sometimes, sometimes there are some practical applications of what the Lord has provided by His grace that we must engage in. Someone said, I don't really want to fight. Well, get beat up then. Hmm. There is an element to our life on this earth where we have got to take our stand. We have got to draw a line in the sand and say, no further. I am not going to put up with this. And we have to do it based upon knowledge. Based upon something that we know that God has done and provided for us. Not just, um, uh, you know, some, I've heard people say, well, so-and-so, they're just really stubborn. And that has really helped them to overcome in life. It's not about stubborn. That's not a, a, <laughs> that's not a characteristic that we want. You know, uh, no. But we are able to stand strong against certain things yes the emphasis is what we're for but in that very context there also has to be something that we're uh, against you know jesus bible says about him in hebrews that not only did he love righteousness but he hated sin 
He hated unrighteousness and lawlessness. Jesus, he had great victory. He loved what, what was right. He loved truth. He loved the Father. And he hated the devil and evil and sin. And that was how he stayed clear of it. And that's how he had victory every time. Amen. So we should know what we're for. We should know what we're against. We should know what God's doing in us. We should recognize, not be preoccupied with or overwhelmed with, but recognize the strategies of the enemy and know how we resist and how we are to overcome those uh, plots against our lives. Amen. Now, obviously, there's much we could say uh, uh, in, in discussing the various things that the enemy tries to come against people in, in, you know, in the specifics of those that we don't have time to, to say in one little uh, night's service. Um, however, we can, in principle, and that's worthy of a teaching and worthy of some discussion, but we can, in, prin- in principle, stir our hearts up and be reminded of some spiritual realities and truths that all believers should be in, exercised in and, and, and knowledgeable of so that we can take a proper stand. Okay? It's not about someone else taking a stand for you. It's one thing having someone pray for you. I appreciate people praying for me. And there's a part that's so valuable in that. But nothing can replace you standing for yourself. And you saying, you know what? I'm just not going to put up with this anymore. And it's not about uh, it's not about emotion, you know, per se. It's not about volume, but sometimes your heart can be expressed many different ways. And if you get ticked off about the right thing, that's okay. If you're upset about the enemy ravaging your family or hurting you in a in a in a way, you can be upset about that and be godly. I tell you what, God Himself is upset about that. He is not happy if you got a sick child. He is not happy if you struggle week after week and month after month. Think that pleases him? He's ticked when it comes to... Because he loves you. Because you belong to him. I belong to him. And if I'm going the wrong... He's not happy about that. And so listen, let's take the attitude of God, the heart of God. And when something is going the wrong way, man, let it tick you off. Hmm. To the point of this. I'm going to use the word... I'm going to do what God told me to do, and I am not going to put up with this garbage any longer. Amen. Has anyone been pushed to that point? Man, I pray you have, because I'm what I'm seeing, just, just kind of a logical conclusion to the fact that I keep getting stirred up this way. The Lord does this for me so I can help people. And I believe the enemy is attacking people. I know you can say that's true any day of the year. But it doesn't always happen this way. Uh, and there's some things that are going on. And I'm not speaking by knowledge. I'm speaking by revelation. Things that are going on in people's lives. And we have got to say no further. We've got to say no. not going to have that anymore. And it's going to stop tonight. Amen. Exodus 12. Let's just start here in verse 1. 
It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it for the 14th day of the month, of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel, that's the, just the top over the door, of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on, the, on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. All right. And uh, skip down to verse 11. He gives more instructions about them eating. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So shall you eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land, both good, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And he went on to talk about how that feast would be a memorial, and they'd continue to do that year after year. And then he gave instructions similar to that. As you keep reading in that chapter, he said, tell the elders of, of Israel, and he gave them similar instructions about how they were to use the lamb and they were to put blood on the doorpost on the lintel of their homes where they were staying this was of course a great judgment that was taking place in the land of egypt for as a result of pharaoh their leader not letting god's people go and you know this was the tenth of the uh of the plagues this was the tenth judgment against the gods of egypt the false gods of Egypt, and this was a very serious deal, okay? And God gave them specific instruction how to stop destruction from coming into their home. He said, You will do this with a spotless lamb and a, bl a lamb without blemish, which everybody probably knows that's a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who was sinless and is called the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. All right, and this was a prophetic picture, but it was a reality in that time they when they lived that it was the blood that stopped destruction from coming into their house. All right, there that was the line drawn where if they were on the other side of that blood line, then they were protected. Now the blood, of course, is the we know it represents in our day Jesus. It, it represents a, a covenant. It is a promise from God of protection 
how they would be kept safe, how they would be delivered from destruction. And it is a blood covenant that meant a whole lot uh, to people in, in, in their cultures in those days. Sometimes it doesn't mean quite as much in our culture. All right. Sometimes we don't get a whole a full grasp of what was taking place. But in many of their cultures, uh, people had an understanding that if you made a covenant with someone, that meant, you know, everything they had was yours and everything you had was theirs. It meant if they were in trouble, you had their back. It meant if you were in trouble, they had your back. It meant that you come into agreement. I mean, it was a serious commitment. It's kind of like what marriage is supposed to be. Right, and, and and this was, this was how the Lord instructed them to. That's okay. <laughs> how He instructed them to be protected and to be sustained when all around them in their world there was judgment going on, there was destruction going on all around them. He said, you can live right through the middle of that and be untouched. It does not have to come nigh your dwelling. You are different than everybody else as long as you do right with the blood. Now, I've been told that in certain cultures when uh, one group would have... uh, uh, a covenant with others. People did it in different ways. They would sometimes they would uh, cut their hands or cut something on their arm. Uh, they would their goal was to have a big scar because a scar was visible. A scar was something that if your enemy was coming against you, that you could hold up your scar and they know. Oh, there's a lot more to that guy than I realized. I wonder who's he's in covenant with. Because you could have an old whole army behind you, and if you come against me, you don't know what you're dealing with. And that was the that was the covenant that they made one with another. And in our day, well, it's you could I could say a lot about this, but it's interesting how when when God made covenant with Abraham, remember the sign of that covenant? It was circumcision, right? It's like why would you put quote the scar way down there (laughs) i mean it's not like you could people walk around and you could see that they had a covenant (laughs) well i I think when because of this because it's a spiritual covenant uh the results of that covenant are supposed to be shown openly in god's strength and provision his protection and his blessing on people's lives it's like I don't really see a scar, but something, you've got a covenant with somebody. Something's going on with you because things are really working for you. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. In, uh, in the Word of God, we can see through a, a number of places that the blood of Jesus is a very, very important, a very necessary thing for us to have understanding of. That you and I know that just like when He delivered them in Egypt from the destruction via the blood, 
which is typical of the blood of Jesus, that same thing is true today. Now, we're not painting doors, you know, with blood, doorposts, and and we're not doing these things in that way because there's been one sacrifice. However, from a spiritual perspective, it is our knowledge that that line, that that protection is there that will keep us safe. The destroyer is not allowed to destroy anything past that. But apparently, we must exercise faith in that for that to be a reality. Let me show you that. Let me read a couple scriptures to you. You don't need to turn. Romans 5, 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Because of what? We've been justified by his blood. Now, it might seem odd in this world just to talk about blood so much. But life is in blood. This is necessary. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Through his what? His blood. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. By the blood of Christ. Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Look at, look at Hebrews 11 with me. Over and over again, I'm just reading a few of the scriptures, we see in the Old Covenant via the lamb and the animal sacrifices, the New Covenant always pointing to Jesus, we see that the blood is key to our victory. Us knowing it, us understanding it, us even talking about it makes a difference in what the enemy is allowed to do in our lives. If I am not, <laughs> this sounds strange, if I am not blood conscious, then there's a gap in my protection. If you, have, you, have we figured out this? That the, that the devil will do things that are illegal? That's what thieves and crooks do, right? No regard for law. So say, well, God won't let him. Well, yeah, he will. See, uh, can, can we see that God hasn't just, you know, Satan's been defeated. He's been stripped of his power. He's been, Jesus spoiled principalities and powers made a show of them openly. But the devil, devil's obviously at work all around the world. Why is that? Because God didn't tie him up and stick him in the pit. That's going to happen. But right now he's on the run. He's looking, seeking for whom he may devour. So this tells us something about our victory that it must be enforced. It tells us even something about the most powerful and precious thing, the blood of Jesus. We have a covenant. We are protected. But it has to be enforced. If I'm not mindful of it, if I don't know the power there, if I don't know what the potential is here, then he will cross the bloodline. 
say, well, he's going to get in trouble with God for that. He's already in trouble with God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, someone's got to enforce. Say, well, doesn't God do that? No, we do that. No. If God were going to do it, the world, the earth would be heaven right now. We would, it would be just paradise everywhere we look. But it is up to the redeemed ones, up to those who have been washed, to say, no, not going to have this. Say, I, I refuse to allow this in my life. Somebody stand up and be strong. Come on. You know, let's have an attitude like of David. Remember David in 1 Samuel 17? David and Goliath? When he had, you know, and he started saying things like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What does that mean? He's not making fun of, you know. He's saying, this guy, that, <laughs> he's saying, this guy doesn't have a covenant. He doesn't have a covenant with God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who defies the armies of the living God. What nerve. What goal. Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know who he's dealing with? He's dealing with covenant people of God. We're not having this. And that boldness and faith. Caused him to rise up. And slay a giant. To do what was naturally impossible. You know a lot of times people wonder about. About Job, you know, why did, why did, why did that happen to Job? Why did God let that bad stuff happen to Job, who was a good guy? Well, one of the biggest things about Job is, he was a good guy, but one of the biggest things about that is Job didn't have a covenant with God. He didn't. Now, he did the best he could with what he had. Not that he wasn't perfect, you know, in, in the sense of flawless. But he had no right to stand up to the devil and say, go from me. He couldn't do that. So why didn't God do that for him? God did for a while, even though it's, you know, God was challenged by the devil. And he had to, in righteous judgment, give him access. Had to. If there's not a covenant, say, well, I think God can just do protect someone if he wants then you got to throw out the whole gospel. you got to throw out all the old covenant, the sacrifice, all that stuff, and you got to throw out Jesus. Because that becomes totally unnecessary if God can just protect whoever He wants just because he's, he's powerful and He's love and all these good things. No, these things are legal realities. Sin is a, is a breaking of God's law and holy standard. These things have repercussions. What's the repercussion? Someone has to die. There is a repercussion for sin. In the Old Covenant, God would give them grace and mercy. said, we'll put, the, we'll put the sin temporarily, you know, in this symbolically. And you'll be covered for a while. And, you know, in the animal sacrifices. But still something had to die. Until ultimately, the great sacrifice. Jesus himself bore the sins of the world. And a legal uh, punishment and legal judgment was satisfied. In that, now we can enter boldly into the throne of grace. Only because justice was done. Sin has been paid for, past, present, and future, in Jesus himself. Now, we're never going to be like Job. Thank God. 
Now, again, we're not putting Job down. We are just far better off. We have a covenant with him. Not only do we have a covenant, we got a better covenant than, than the Old Testament established upon better promises. We got something far greater. And if they, if they got bypassed, Passover, if, if destruction passed over their home because of the blood of a lamb, because of the blood of a, 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 a spotless lamb, how much more can we exercise faith and confidence in the blood of the lamb, in the blood of Jesus himself who has purchased for us an eternal redemption? forever it's i'm no more free today than i'll be in heaven my redemption is the same i'm not getting an upgrade when i go to heaven and now i'm really free no jesus work is completely finished there is nothing else that needs to be added to it and if that hmm, if that work and redemption is enough to get us into the glory of God and into eternity without any junk whatsoever. If it's enough to do that, I think it's enough to get us from where we are throughout our days on the earth. Sustained, protected, provided for. Come on now. Man, they stayed protected by behind the blood, uh, the doorpost behind the blood in those houses while Death was happening all around the country, wailing and crying from every home as destruction hit, and they were untouched. And then they went, to, they went to them right after that and said, we're leaving, and I'd like to have some of your jewelry. <laughs> Didn't they? Yeah. And you know the silver platter you got? I'm going to take that along with me. Yeah. And that big watch, that nice, I'm taking that. They went, they literally, they plundered them. They came out of their Bible says with silver and gold. Had a good meal. Family was alive. Everybody was healthy. Not one feeble among them, the scripture says. They came out with all their money, all their jewelry and their gold and, you know, uh, and they left town. All because of the blood, which was to them, I don't think they saw the fullness of what was happening there but we do we see from the other side notice in Hebrews 11 Hebrews 11 verse 27 11 27 this is talking about uh, Moses here if you see the verses before by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover. I want you to notice that language. You won't necessarily see that language in the Old Covenant. That by faith, he kept the Passover. But the New Testament sheds some light. This was not just an, an external, out, out, outward obedience of going through the motions and God gave them specific instructions. It says, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. He had faith in the operation of God that they would receive the Passover meal, that they would uh, 
apply the blood, their faith, his faith in that, their faith in that word from God proved to be the factor that led to their protection. And so what does that mean for us? It means that simply we don't go through all the motions, but we uh, put faith in the blood not just I acknowledge it, but I exercise faith in the finished work of the cross. The blood of Jesus shed for me. And I believe this is what he did. God said, you'll be safe if you'll do this. I'm, the destroyer will pass over you if you'll do this. They believe that. And so they did it. Why else would you put blood all over your door? I mean, that's a mess. He believed that what God said about it would protect him. Can we have that much confidence in what God has said to us concerning our eternal redemption and the blood of Jesus? Man, because of Jesus' blood, the devil can't get to me. So how do I enforce that? Well, you remember Revelation 12 and verse 11. It says, for they overcame him, the devil, the accuser. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Come on now. It's when we say, when we rise up and say, we recognize, Lord, I see what Jesus has done for me and his blood and this eternal covenant and redemption that I have protects me. I will not be defeated. I will not be harmed. I will not be subject to the, to the destroyer's attacks against my life. And Satan, you're not coming through. In Jesus' name. Man. The blood is our protection from destruction. Having knowledge of this blood will keep the enemy at bay when he attacks your life. Tonight, we're going to take a few moments and, uh, and receive the communion elements. That is the, the bread which represents the body of the Lord Jesus and the blood which was shed, the, the, the cup which represents His blood which was shed for us. Our covenant with Him, our sins washed away. And tonight... You know concerning things that have given you trouble, things that have attacked you. Not that everyone's under heavy assault, not saying that is. The rest of us, you know, we remember and we stir ourselves up. But if there is something in your life and it's, you know, you recognize this is not God. Man, this is not His plan. It's not what He promised for me. This is the enemy running in my way then you draw a line tonight. Just as, just as they put the blood on the doorposts. We're on the other side of the cross. And the blood of Jesus protects us. And you can say it out of your own mouth. Devil, no further. Destruction stops here. It'll go no further. According to the word of God. According to the blood of the Lamb and on the authority of the name of Jesus, 
it stops. And it'll go no further. Amen. And we rejoice. Praise God. Amen.